Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Brian Wikowski. He is a professional singer, actor, voice teacher, turned business coach for entrepreneurial artists and creatives. With a passion for helping others realize ways to earn income, doing more of what they are most meant to do. He founded a boutique coaching business named The Lucrative Artist. Brian, welcome to the space. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so happy that you are here. So before we dive into the questions, could you tell us in whatever you want it to be, just tell us a little bit more about yourself before we dive in. Where to begin? That's a long life story, right? Right. But long story short, I thought I was going to become a professor just like my father. And my father told me I could get a doctorate in anything and, and succeed at whatever I wanted. So of course, I decided to major in music and go down the, the vocal performance pathway because may as well pick something that was hard, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just majoring in the subject he taught. And so long story short, I went through that life expecting to become a professor and obviously more everybody else also had that idea, I guess. So, you know, life kind of took different turns and I, my work, I first thought I was going to go into career services because I really wanted to help people, you know, solve this career dilemma that a lot of people are in. They graduate college, they don't have any obvious jobs to go to sometimes, especially in the arts. And so that kind of evolved into me doing business coaching and helping people really create the job they don't have. And then that kind of evolved even further into doing money mindset work and really working on a relationship with money and our, getting over our fear of selling and doing the really emotional things entrepreneurially that we can find challenging that can make us give up. Because, you know, thinking like an entrepreneur, it comes in so many value conflicts to a lot of the, you know, other employee mindsets that we otherwise go to school and have. So, you know, helping people get over those, you know, belief challenges and other things so they can actually become prosperous entrepreneurs with their, with doing the work they actually want to do, serving the people they're meant to serve. Such important work that you're going to, that you do. And I'm so excited to jump into this conversation so people can learn more about you. So thank you for being here. So we're going to start with our would you rather, and then we'll dive into the first question. So Brian, are you ready? I think so. 
Okay. I studied hard for this question. I know, right? <laughs> so would you rather be super strong or super fast? I guess super strong. Okay. In fact, I was singing a solo in church this morning where it was put on the armor of God, be strong in the Lord. So there's that. I guess maybe it's the theme of today, I guess. But, you know, if we we all have strengths deep down that we can all embrace and, you know, tap into and be all that we can be. And we don't necessarily need to be the fastest that way if we if we tap into the strengths that we have, I guess. Mm, I love that. The armor. See, this is what's so funny is when I go through the questions, certain questions jump out. So here you said in church, the same kind of theme came up. So it's just so interesting to me every time. Because, yeah, strength comes in so many different ways, right? It's not just one. It's not just muscle strength. It's it, it, it's there's more expansion. Yeah. And there's always something we can leverage. And one um, one person that I'm friends with who I've met through a coaching circle. He um, had a very crazy near-death experience, but one thought that he kept repeating to himself is that something in your life can be leveraged to get something that you want. So no matter what situation it was, no matter how dire it is, there's something we can use and pull strength out of to get whatever result we're going after if we're willing to leverage that the right way. Mm, love that. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. So here we go. We're going to dive in and I want to welcome those that are here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Any questions or comments, please feel free to put them in the chat box below where we can see them and you can be part of the conversation. So Brian, the first official question is, how do you define creativity? I would say it's being your most authentic expression of yourself and doing the things that really bring out that divine inner expression of yourself that you're meant to do and being, being able to, you know, be more and do more and, and create more and make more out of life as a result and contribute to the expansion of life, whether it be artistic creations or business creations, something, because there's so much that can be created. Be more expansive, most authentic expression of self. Beautiful. So with all of this being said, we want to learn more about you, Brian. So you gave us just this tiny bit, but if you could, you have so much that you've done in your lifetime so far. Take us yeah. back, take us back a little bit more before the professor. Um, take us back. Did you always like, let's, as a child, you know, did you see yourself as a, I was reading about you and you're on your website and you're one, you have three sisters. Four. Four sisters. Sorry. So you kind of had this, this bad boy kind of thing going on. A little bit, you know, by default, right? The boys are the bad kids or something like that. But basically I, was, I went singing in church was like kind of my saving grace with a kid that kind of, that was one of the few good boy things I could count on doing and get the praise and the affirmation, if you know what I mean. And that, um, so, I, and I kept on doing that all through, you know, my younger years and realized I was kind of good at it. I had a talent that opened people's eyes or ears up. And so I kept on pursuing that because my dad, he, um, I was blessed to have, he, he passed away seven years ago from colon cancer. But when he was raising me, he always told me that I could literally be successful in anything I wanted to. I was, you know, and he was, he grew up very poor on the east side of Detroit and he was, a classic case of he worked his way up. He went and went to school, got his doctorate and worked his way up the economic ladder and 
you know, got to another level of success. And so if he could do it, why can't I in another way? So I've always had that, you know, open possibilities always was always there for me. Mm -hmm. So he was your cheerleader. Yeah. And then majoring in music, it was one of those things where I knew I could, I guess, go in that field. I didn't have to worry about my dad being, you know, responsible for my success because it was a totally different field because he taught criminal justice and security and so forth. So it's like, I know for sure I'm doing, I'm going after something that it's my goal only kind of a thing. That's, that's was that on some other motivation that I kind of had too. And then there's just the fact that in the arts in general, there's something about it, like especially the way teachers have taught, especially years ago, where it's like we focus on the one wrong note and that means you're bad. Never mind the 99% you got right. So there's <laughs> always this, you know, perfectionism and so forth. And there's kind of a interesting culture where the people you would expect to encourage you didn't wouldn't necessarily as much or they'd be indifferent. And that just kind of motivated me to keep on going. And, you know, people tell me you're not really that good enough or your personality is not whatever. And, you know, I wanted to really, I was just motivated to prove that wrong mm. and eventually become a professor to help other students not endure the same thing. And now I guess that teaching mission has kind of evolved into a different way. And now I'm helping people be the entrepreneurs that they're meant to be and do it, be, do and have what they want to have in their lives. I think that's so much, I mean, we are, we are our own best clients, right? Yeah. So here along the way, when you always had this personality, which is wonderful that if somebody says, oh, you're not good enough, you're not, you're just like, okay, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. That's just more fuel. That's more fuel for my fire, my belly to like, keep on going. Exactly. And you know, that's, that was just kind of exciting where the professional performing I've done, it's like, I've finally had a chance to do these roles and, you know, really kind of get some satisfying performing experiences under my belt where I've done actually even after my doctorate professional musical theater work and did like roles like Farquaad and Shrek and Marius and Les Miserables and some other exciting stuff and just a lot of fun on the stage and did a lot of that for a while. Wow. So question, did you ever have any kind of stage fright? Yes. And that was my also like motivation to keep on pursuing it. If I can be good enough to, you know, get the degrees in it, then that should combat the stage fright, right? Or theoretically. And then that, of course, I still had it. And I still had, you know, for the longest time, there's, you got to just get used to channeling your energy in the right way when you're going out on the stage. And, you know, you don't necessarily lose it. You just kind of figure out how to use the energies and and get yourself used to doing the skills so that you have the confidence and you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to not sing the high note or get laughed off the stage or something like that. Yeah. So what I was going to ask was use your vocabulary to describe to people if they're not familiar when you said use the right energy, the right energy, channeling the right energy. What does that mean? For me, it always means just breathe and don't overreact to the situation, but just, you know, stay even keel and, you know, allow, you know, don't be in such a rush to think you've suddenly failed, but just, you know, take the situation in and sometimes being slow and taking your time is actually a good thing because it makes you appear more serious and people are more likely to listen to you as opposed to going fast. And because sometimes we, it's like, we want to get the situation on the stage over with. So we end up trying to perform faster or too fast or talk too fast with our lines or whatever it might be. And, you know, sometimes there's, there's a less is more aspect to it from that way. Not be afraid to take time. That's, that was one of the biggest pointers that I always tell people that I've had to learn. Oh, I love that. I'm writing this down, everybody, because I think that is, that's 
a tip that can be applied to anything in life. Yeah. Don't be afraid to take the time. I mean, when I look at somebody on stage, I'm always in awe. I see it as such a brave act because here you are, whether you're interacting with others or you're alone and you are expressing and you're projecting and you're singing, you're acting, you're playing a role for all of these people to see. Yeah. And it is such a monumental task to accomplish too. And it's fascinating as I've gotten older, I found out so many other people had similar teachers here and there who made them feel like they couldn't more than they could. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of shocking to think that how un how much unconditional lack of support or or conditional support that's out there where a lot of people are, they're left with doubts that they shouldn't be having in their minds. It's really, it's a fascinating subject that's getting more attention nowadays. So a lot of people, they've had to deal with a lot of more inner demons than they probably deserve to deal with, if you know what I mean, when it comes to getting over those fears and having the confidence to be the artist they're meant to be on that stage. It's, do you think that's ego from the teacher or what do you think that is? Cause I, I understand that from art school, but I'm interested in your perspective. Of, I think what so, there's, there are definitely some cases of just pure cluster B personality disorder types of people who are just, you know, they're abusive by nature. Then there are others who are, it's like they think they're protecting their students by, you know, keeping their expectations low. And because that's just kind of that, that competitive mindset, you know, there's an idea that there's only a finite number of jobs meant to be had. We can't create new opportunities and cultivate new kinds of audiences. Right. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> it just made me think of, so I went to art school. Um, you know, that's now university of the arts in Philadelphia. It was PCA Philadelphia College Art. But at one point, Billy Joel, uh, came and, and performed and spoke. <laughs> I think it was in his drinking days because he at one point basically said, it's all a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, here you are speaking to a whole art school, both uh, music, dance, visual art, and all that. He's like, it's just a crapshoot. It's like, wow. Okay. Thanks for that. In many ways, especially if you want to recreate, you know, the, if you expect to go down those traditional pathways that we're trained for, and we don't want to open our minds up to other possibilities. It definitely can be a crapshoot, but at the same time, because ninety-nine, it's like ninety percent are going after the opportunities where less than, you know, ten percent actually have success. There's that this other ninety percent, you know, everybody else who goes in the other direction can have a, a greater probability of success, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So mm -hmm. it's like, kind of like we're all swimming in the same direction in the ocean. We're forgetting there are other directions we could be going into. Yes. Yes. So tell me for you, taking this whole out of the box way of thinking, what is a situation in, if you want to apply it to one of these, you know, opera acting, whatever, or in life where you really thought outside the box, is there anything that's jumping into your head? One of these other directions? Yeah. One simple way that I went with just my business is thinking of a different you know, stage of life that the clientele could be in. Because when I first started, I thought I was mainly targeting people who were fresh out of college. And I thought most of my clients would be my former students when I taught collegiately. And then, especially during COVID, most of my clients have been people who are further along in their entrepreneurial endeavors or they're, they've had other experiences and they're making mid-career changes. So sometimes just it, 
you know, don't look at the same direction everybody else's, but there might be a, just a slight shift, not even the biggest necessarily, where you can really suddenly create massive success for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's being open to that. Um, it's being being aware and open to how you need to pivot and not being so yeah. steadfast in just one direction. Yep. And the pivot doesn't have to be big. It can be, you know, sometimes it's like we're trained to think everything's black or white and we have to go only east or west and you know, we can't go north, northwest or something like that. So it's like we have to not be afraid to just, you know, think what's a slight shift I could make that could open up a new possibility and not worry about, you know, throwing a baby out with the bathwater, per se. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Just that slight, slight, slight could be north, northwest. Yeah, it doesn't have to be south. And that might be the only turn it takes for the hurricane to not make landfall or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So... For mindset, when did, have you always been into mindset or is that something that started to, uh, you kind of grew into as you got older? Yeah, I definitely grew into it as I got older because I basically about five years ago when I first worked my first coach, I was kind of at a crisis point in my own life, figuring out what the hell I'm going to do. And I just had this, you know, my mindset was stuck on literally one way of life. I have my degrees, I expect to get a teaching job and then I call it a life. You know, it's kind of, and so many people have that and there really is the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, to really su- thrive and succeed as an elite entrepreneur that requires a different way of thinking that can be in such conflict to a lot of the ways we're raised. Because most of the time we're, especially if your parents both were in the working and the middle class, you know, jobs, they had one set of values and thriving as an entrepreneur sometimes that goes in conflict with, you know, what the values that you have to succeed in your job, where it's, you know, if you're working at the factory as opposed to owning the factory or, or in my case, my mother was a nurse. And so she, everything was kind of, all the decisions were kind of rooted in picking the safest option. Mm. Mm. That's a really good point. It's true. So yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of that whole, uh, like you said, your mom being a nurse and yeah, it's, it's how she, it's what she does. (laughs) You want to do something that is going to serve the person the best. um, But there is definitely a safety in it. And in that case, you might also be relying, you're still relying on somebody else. You're not the boss. Yeah, exactly. And so there's that thinking where if I just stay in grad school, keep getting the degrees, I'll be the most qualified person to, you know, get the next job at a school or wherever, and then I'll be safe the rest of my life. That's kind of how we're kind of by almost society wide, we're kind of trained to approach life and it doesn't quite work that way anymore. And even I know people who get their doctorates and they get a second doctorate, then they get another certificate and then they get this and they're the most qualified person you could ever possibly imagine. And nobody even wants to even interview them because they know they won't be a good colleague or something, you know? So just that approach doesn't actually work. We have to think differently. Yeah, it's definitely. And I think with this generation, definitely, I see it in my kids. Um, it's just, it's just, there's a big, there's a shift on both yeah. my kids being 19 and 22. Neither one of them have gone the college route. They're, getting internships and they're doing hands-on they've gotten right into work and they're learning through the process and um they've made changes along the way realize what they're good at realize what they aren't so interested in and um it's just for them it's just worked a lot better yeah my, I'm, and I, i'm totally happy with my experience overall in my colleges it was i have nothing bad to say about that and if anything the best part was in effect, almost like it was a four-year vacation in some ways, you know, that aspect of having a chance to live life. I went to college in New Orleans and I made mm-hmm. friends and, 
I got to have experiences that I wouldn't have if I was just trying to work a nine to five and go to school part time. And so right. it was an experience that was worth it in, in, many, in those kind of ways, but not necessarily in that immediately economically quantifiable kind of way. Right, right. Yeah, everything builds on itself. So we can use it, uh, you know, that these points in our lives, um, even the ones that don't feel so good, they teach us things, right? Yeah. There's the contrast. So and tell people from, oh, sorry. No, no, you go. I was going to say, like, some of my, the best part of, you know, paying for having an otherwise expensive education were the friends that I made there. And they're some of my closest friends that I still have today that I can count on. If I were ever down in the dumps or something happened, I could always count on them for help or assistance or whatever. So that's, you know, have, it was a great networking opportunity and, you know, make some great lifelong friends there. Right. Right. Yeah. So where you are now, so you did all these different kinds of things. So within your coaching and within, tell us more about the lucrative artist. Yeah. So basically I take clients through a process where I help them kind of get clarity as to what they really are most meant to be doing. And if they need, you know, tactical, you know, mechanical things around business, like create their business plan and basics like that to help them through that. But a lot of it's the mindset thing, because there's in many ways, it's, it's not really literal, literal, but like, it's, you know, success as an entrepreneur, it's 95% mindset, 5% strategy, even it's not literally that much. But like the way we think, if we get our psychology, right, then the mechanics come in place, or we figure out the right person to hire or the right help to get. So we don't have to stress over all the little things. But I take clients through a process to get clarity on what they really want to do and then, you know, what they're most meant to offer and then get over their fears of selling it, the pricing and the packaging, what that could be and how they could strategize around that and really get in touch with their relationship with money so they're not afraid to actually charge what they should be charging for what they're offering to the right people. Mm-hmm. And then get over their fear of getting out there and selling it and master that skill of selling. And that's one thing where my biggest struggle at first was putting myself out there and selling to the right people and mastering those sales conversations. It's it was like reliving the anxiety that I had getting over the fear of auditioning years ago is doing the selling thing all over again, because people it's, it's partly, it's like a middle-class value thing where we're just, we're wired to not want to talk about money not ask people for money. So I yeah. like to tell people like most people don't have money problems. We have asking for money problems. Mm-hmm. So helping people get you know their mindset straight there, so they can go out and thrive with their business and contact the right people, and you know really go out there and make a difference and have the success they're meant to have, so they can, you know, the more we all have, the more we all earn collectively, then the more good we can do in the world helping more people. Mm-hmm. So how do you help? Can you tell me one or two ways that you do help people with this whole money mindset? Yeah, I'm certified in a program that's called Sacred Money Archetypes, created by a coach named Kendall Summerhawk, founder of WomenInCoaching.com. It's, and it's a it's a, it's a program that kind of helps people characterize their relationship to kind of get in touch with, you know, am I, do I think for, like a penny pincher? Do I think like a control freak? Or am I just a careless romantic type? So that's, that's a, a jumping off point that I take clients through to kind of help them get clarity with that money relationship they have. Like when I first did it with my first coach, I found out I was a nurturer. So I was kind of like I almost a codependent at times in some ways where I was just like freewheeling with the money or not charging what I should have charged. So I felt bad, you know, taking money from people, even though I really had to get to a point where it's like, yes, I'm taking money from them. And yeah, their accounts lower, mine's higher, but I'm actually giving giving them a worthwhile return on that investment. And right. sometimes it's it's so easy to forget that we're doing that. Right. 
that's i think there it's that whole yeah the worthiness thing that's yeah. a really big that's who am i what kind of experience do i have and like you just said earlier somebody could have five doctorate degrees or whatever and they just keep going back to school to learn more and learn more and learn more um but they don't feel worthy yeah and that's part of it's getting you know really realizing that true economic value of what we're doing like i like to tell people that every dollar that comes into our lives it's either a legit business transaction where it's being reflective of the economic value that should be reflected or you're being someone's charity case or you're not getting enough and you're being charitable to somebody else so it's like everything's either a legit business or it's a board charity or borderline charity so how do we you know, focus on our mindset on focusing on how we can make sure we're sticking with the economic value we're creating and, you know, bringing that in accordingly and letting go of the charitable aspect that kind of takes away from the actual true value of what we're doing. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, we, especially in the arts, we fall into this charity guilt trip trap where we think we have to be charitable because we're kind of, it's like we're not really trained to think, okay, what is the actual value? And so I, have to, I always tell people that one thing to think about is, is the use value in their life greater than the cash value you're receiving? Because if that's the case, then you can almost charge anything you want with confidence mm -hmm. because they're getting that return on investment. That's what I wish in art school there actually was, was like a business course. Yeah. Like, or even more of a mindset. Yep. I don't, I don't know if that they're offering stuff like that now, but like a money, like a money mindset, um, and all that it's so important you really have to be comfortable with who you are and what you offer and it's true like you said you could charge anything if people are getting this this return on investment where they're like oh my god i would pay a million dollars for that because it has changed my life in whatever way yeah the one book that i reference a lot it's called the science of getting rich by wallace waddles it was written over 100 years ago so yeah. it's one of those where you got to kind of mind its context of, as to when it was written but it's one of those where it's more metaphysical than actual science, but around money though, like, especially around artists, there was a section where he talks about, you could give somebody, you know, who's living in the middle of nowhere, a painting, they'd have no use for it, but you give them a gun, they'll be, they can get more fur or furs, or they can get more, you know, meat and actually live off that. So that's more valuable. Whereas you could basically then take, you know, you could sell a gun to someone who, you know, lives in, a huge mansion they probably have no use for it, but the painting that would probably be more useful to them kind of a thing so it's right. all about who that ideal client is and what that use value is in their lives right so you said at this point the people that you're working with are more established in their businesses right do they know who their audience is who they're targeting and all of that mostly and or they're looking for that next level or that next level of clarity because there's always a new level there's always something where we might be used to one profile of a person to work with, but then we realize the real thing we're helping them with that's below the surface. And then we start to tap into, oh, who else I can help that may not even be in the same profession, but has that same mindset issue or the set, that other challenge in their life where they need confidence around. So you know, helping people get that next level of clarity that and what that true value is so they can understand how to charge accordingly and put the right offer in place. But I also help people who are still, some of my clients are fresh out of college. They're trying to figure out that entrepreneurial ideas and what they could do. And then others who are making that mid-career shift going from working in some kind of full-time nine to five, and they're trying to get themselves in the business for themselves. And they need to really figure out that confidence and the mindset issues, as well as the basics of getting started and figure out what they should really be doing. Right, right. 
So what else more can you take us with? I'm looking at what I titled this, which is services designed to help artists grow their sales. So what else can you take us through in how you work with your clients or life experience that you can just share with us and how this actually happens? Yeah, one thing I help clients with all the time is just their sales conversations and how to actually go about that in an empowering way, especially if you're trying to offer something that you know, might be a more of a higher ticket price, whether it be an expensive painting or, you know, some kind of coaching program where you might be asking for, you know, larger than average amounts of money, let's just say, you know. Right. And part of it's getting to clarity as to what does the buyer really want? Sometimes we just forget that. And sometimes we have to still ask ourselves that. What do we really want? You know, we so often in life, we're so busy trying to, you know, cater to what everybody else wants. We forget to ask ourselves what we want. And then starting in a sales situation, same thing. What do you really want? And we got to create the space to give them the opportunity to give an honest response so they can give you that clarity. And then if they say they don't know, then you just ask them, well, what if you did know? And sometimes that does the psychological trick to kind of get people thinking in the right direction of, as to what they actually really want. Mm -hmm. And then helping people in that sales situation get clarity as to what they want. Then once you have that, then ask them what's in the way and really define those obstacles they're facing. And sometimes it's an obvious problem and other times it's a not so obvious problem. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can find out that not so obvious problem if you just simply ask them what happens if you don't solve it. And then get, then the other part is of course, getting them to you know, think what happens if they do solve it. And then if they're serious about making that commitment. Yeah. Yeah, as you were talking, I mean, there's a whole psychology of sales yeah right i mean there really is the person being the buyer the person being the seller so realizing that what i've learned more about is as you are making that sale it really is a conversation yeah and it's really understanding paying attention and listening to your audience yeah and that's what i some people think that they're introverted they can't sell and I work with them and realize, no, actually, that makes you even better at selling because you know how to shut up and listen. And so it's one of those things where it's a real it's a real skill that can be tapped and, you know, taken advantage of there. And getting people to really, you know, see it, get the clarity. Sometimes, especially, you know, what we deal with online with all these, you know, marketing gurus and other things with these empty promises and all the annoying people who make the annoying phone calls. You know, you didn't ask for a sales call. I'd not ask for a stranger to spam message me offering something, you know, right. so, you know, the idea of selling just gets a bad rep in general. And that so many entrepreneurs just have this pent up anxiety and fear of doing it because of, you know, what represents sales in our lives that we're used to is not, you know, something that really is good selling. Yeah. So people aren't around what really should be good selling, which is, you know, building that authentic relationship and, you know, allowing the buyer to get clarity as to what they want and you know, understand the true value of what the offer is so that the price, you know, sells itself or right. the, or what the, the needs of the client sells itself. So the price doesn't, price doesn't matter, I should say. I uh, really appreciate what you said about um, introverted, somebody being introverted, because it's true. <laughs> I've had this conversation with others before, too. And yeah, it does kind of make the perfect person because you do know how to be quiet and be a listener and then respond at the appropriate exactly. times, because anybody here listening or catching the replay will understand when you're talking to somebody who is just a nonstop talker and really has does not care anything about what you're saying or what you're thinking. And they're talking really fast and it's just 
it's just overwhelming. And to me, it's a real turnoff. Yeah. And sometimes it comes across as condescending and sometimes you can't hear yourself think they talk loud too. There's always that. <laughs> right, the loud talkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So true. So there's such a psychological aspect to this. Um, and as originally, when I, one thing when I was a kid too, I was told I was too introverted to be a performer. And it's like, that's all the more reason to try and do it then. But they didn't like that answer, but I did it anyway. But you did it anyway. You were always the person who was like, okay, yeah, you said that. I'm doing it. Pretty much. And I think part of it too is if somebody's really going to judge you about that way, sometimes it's just a matter of, okay, I guess they're not the client. Bye. Have a nice life. And just not worry about those judgmental people sometimes. You just need to let them go. Right. Basically, I'm just kind of getting a question again about you being on stage. When you're on stage or even in a sales position and you're really in the flow, do you feel like you are um, somebody else or playing, playing a role? Only if um, I think in a sales situation, I think I'd only be playing a role if I'm talking to someone who's probably really not ideal to work with. The more, I, you know, I guess, but most of the time, if they're an ideal person to talk to, it just you know, it flows. I feel like nothing to worry about. Right. But in other, and also on stage though, in roles, sometimes I feel like I'm playing the role more than being myself. It all depends on the role, I guess. Yeah. Which could make it, I mean, I'm just wondering in that, in that sense, if you're fearful or questioning, if you can become that other role, then it becomes easier. Sometimes or embody it myself. It all depends on, I think probably when it comes to that, I think it's how badly did I really want the role? <laughs> mm. Like there's some roles where it's like, I didn't really want to do this, but it, you know, I, and a long time ago I was in this, you know, phase of my career where it's like, I got to get the line on the resume. I got to get another line on the resume. I got to build it up, look like I'm doing or, or otherwise I'm not going to ever get work again. You know, that kind of mentality takes over our minds a lot of times. So that, so when I was doing stuff, I didn't really want to do then. Yeah. It's probably, I might've, I don't know if it looked like I was mailing it in, but there's there might have been something off with the presentation versus if it's something I really wanted, then it's a character that I could get into really easily or really have right. a lot of fun with. And that was just totally the character then. Yeah, yeah, they merge together and there's it's that whole uh, ease and flow. Yeah. I think one thing, especially whether it's a role on stage or working with somebody or talking about somebody, talking to somebody that I might possibly work with, if it's somebody I really want to work with, the easier it gets. Just like it's a role I really want to do. Right. Right. Yeah, I can I can say that there has not been this is okay, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's like when we don't see each other, it's like I have a lot of hand movements going on oh. and you can't see that. Um, so only one person when I because I have pre-chats for the podcast, and only one person did I ever say no to in the sense where I was like, we can't, we can't do this. This is not flowing at all. She yeah. talked the whole time. And like you said, there was like loud points to it. <laughs> it just kind of steamrolled everything. And finally, when there was a pause, when the talk was only supposed to be 30 minutes and uh, she spoke for 25 of it, even when I tried to in interject and I just finally said, excuse me, but this isn't going to work. And then she stopped and said, why? Well. <laughs> Like this isn't a conversation, <laughs> but it, there isn't the ease. There isn't the, it doesn't feel natural. And sometimes I tell people too, like they're, they have a sales situation like that, where that it's clearly not going to work, but 
sometimes we feel like there's not anybody else left. So they try to, you know, that's when you get the trap of trying to discount yourself or you make the wrong offer or whatever. And, you know, I have to remind people, it's always better to get a no to the right offer than a yes to the wrong offer. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. You kind of find yourself kind of sweating and being like, well, I'll offer you a discount of blah, blah, blah. Not the way to go. Yeah. This discounts, it's, especially if you know they understand the true value of what you have to offer, even if, sometimes if you're trying to be charitable, you're actually not really helping them because they're not going to put in all the effort they might necessarily would otherwise put in with what you're offering, or they're not going to value it as much as they could have. Right, right. That and whole value. Go ahead. And then there's just, there's also a perception too, like, you know, your price is your statement to the world about your level of competence and skill. That's something I always stress to people. And sometimes it's, it's hard to get our mind around it, but you know, it's, it's okay to charge more because you're putting that statement out there. And one yeah. problem we have in the arts in general, especially like people who are applied music teachers and offer other professional services, frankly, the, what people are charging today is not keeping up with inflation from what was charged, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yes. Like what was normal to pay, like for voice lessons, for example, when I was in high school in the late nineties, it wasn't out of the question that pay a special guest artist, like a possible college professor, somebody around a hundred bucks for a lesson. But still there are people today who are scared to death to charge that much when they're even more credentialed than the person I was thinking about paying 120 years ago, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because there's that whole idea of, oh, you know, going to art school, how are you going to make money off of that? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is a societal thing that's um, kind of drilled in. And I love to point out too, with inflation, when we, people talk about that, not only are prices today not necessarily kept keeping up with inflation, we don't know if what we're comparing it to kept up with inflation. So when in doubt, charge what you want and go after the right people for you. Because so if, you, if you got the right ideal clients, the right people will pay that right price for you. We don't have to fear about it. Yeah. There we go. So as we move on to question number two, which is, which you've spoken about some, but we'll take a little deeper dive is how do you incorporate more creativity into your own life? Part of it is um, I, with my business coaching, just the idea of business in general, one of my mentors always likes to say, your business is an art. It's an artistic expression of your life in a way. There's an art to creating one and doing the things you most want to do and creating the things you want to create and then mastering the art of delegation and the art of doing other things, put yourself out there and helping people. So, you know, there is something creative there always. And then otherwise, there's still I'm still performing professional. I'm still singing um, like this morning in church and in other opportunities and keeping that creative juice flowing as well. Because there's always something new to be created in life. There is always something new. And thank you for pointing that out, because this is what all of what I am creative is about is this expansion of this word definition beyond just a pencil and a paintbrush biggest pet peeve was always uh, in saying what I do, what I've done, uh, being an art teacher and going to art school, there's literally a physical response where when you're saying your niceties of what you do, people say, I can't draw or paint, or I can't draw a straight line. And I'd say, that's good. <laughs> Neither can I. Um, but then when we get into these deeper conversations where you pointed out saying that your business is an art, creating it, creating your programs, delegation, how you interact with people, how you communicate. All of this is all of this is a creative process. And when people own this and understand this, it changes people's lives. Yeah. And there really is can be an authentic art to everything in our lives. Mm -hmm. 
but we're not always trained to think that way. Our you know, education system kind of thinks us, trains us to be these robots to just assimilate into the workplace and that's it, call it a life, right? Right. You know, we're not really taught to think artistic and creatively. We're taught to just think the same and conform sometimes. And, you know, we have to sometimes get out of that mindset and kind of be open to creating a new and not fear what other th- others think sometimes. A lot of times, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times because we need to. I mean, there's constant. I'm just thinking of like parenting. There's things that are coming up all the time besides my business, but just parenting jumps into my head. Things are happening all of the time where I have no clue, (laughs) to be honest. I I never experienced whatever this issue was. Um, And sometimes the kids will look at me and they're waiting for an answer. And I'm like, just give me a minute. Sometimes it's like, boom, I have a response. And other times I'm like, I need a few minutes to process. (laughs) But it's, it's, it's like being on our toes. That's what we do. And knowing when to wait and breathe and not that we have to dive into everything and have an answer for everything at every moment. Yeah. And that reminds me, there's like that quote by Maya Angelou, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. So the more creative we get, the more creative we can get and, and there on and there on, it just keeps on creating. Exactly. It's a whole domino effect. And thank you for this in the chat. It says art comes to life. This changes the market. Yeah, totally. Beautiful. So thank you for that. So yeah, so tell us a little bit more. So how else do you incorporate? So I've been asking people lately, um, and I've been learning so much. Do you have any kind of a morning routine? Morning routine, sometimes, you know, wake up when the alarm wakes me up and then look at the phone and see all my Facebook notifications. I hate to admit that that's more, you know, sometimes checking the phones more of the routine than I want to admit. But um, otherwise, depends on the day. Sometimes I have phone calls scheduled or other times I just wake up and take the dogs for a walk and, you know, enjoy some nature here and there. Mm -hmm. But I try not to, as much as I like to have routines, I also like just keep it spontaneous and keep see what new can be created today if you know what i mean yeah that's what i found is um i've just been loving hearing what people say because people are transparent and like you said is there's the spontaneity and there isn't necessarily one some people are very regimented and have like a two-hour practice of things that they do for meditations and journaling and all this other people have said that they're their uh, kind of regiment is they wake up with the dogs, let them out in the backyard, play music, drink their tea while they're watching nature. And that's like their meditation. Yeah. And also I listen to different podcast episodes of whichever the shows that I'm following and including this one now, you know, got to keep Thank up you. with all of them. <laughs> There's so you. many podcasts to go around now. It's hard to make time for all of them, but it's a fascinating medium and I'm going to be launching my own pretty soon because it's just a great way to just kind of put your stuff out there. And in some ways it's like a democratization of the media because there's, you know, more viewpoints can get out there. More people can express their ideas that otherwise, you know, we thought we had to only let the gatekeepers approve of first, you know? Love it. Tell us for about good or for bad. Exactly. Exactly. And it's true. There are so many podcasts to listen to and it is, it's wonderful to hear people's, different voices and what people had to say, whether we agree with things or not, or it's, it's all, it's, uh, it's important. Exactly. And also it's an 
what I'm going to offer is like a chance to just do more of this professional development training and almost be like, it's like you're getting free coaching just by listening, but and content around business and mindset and so forth, but also be a space where I can invite entrepreneurial artists and others who've made great, you know, businesses and other opportunities and really taken their challenges and made something of themselves and really have a chance to showcase what they've done because there's so many, there's so much stuff that's been created out there that the world doesn't know about. Exactly. So true. So it's going to be a combination of, of you, um, uh, just speaking and then having guests as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exciting. We can't wait for this to happen. So we have a question from one of our guests. Can you see that oh, in the chat? I got a, the phone screen turned off here. Um, you want okay. me to read? How do, is it, how do we get families or adults to want to begin a creative path or step off the path and try? Mm -hmm. Or even admit that they want to. I think that's the first question is, what do you really, really want? And I always tell people, like, if money, resources, really time, money, and people are the three main resources in life that we have to figure out to kind of go after what we want. If you had everything in alignment as far as the resources you need for money and the time you had and the support from the people you need support from, what would you be doing? What would you really want to be doing? You know, sometimes we can't be afraid to just ask that to ourselves. It's that whole mindset, which I appreciate you saying is uh, stop thinking of the lack and the what if, the what if, what if. Yeah. And if you want it, if, there's, if, you, if you really uh, desire it have enough, everything, and then what there has to be a way to make it manifest, you know. In one of the books that I um, reference a lot, it's called Working with the Law by Raymond Hollowell. And in the chapter on the law of receiving, he writes that no mind can be conscious of a need or a desire unless the possibility of its fulfillment already exists. That's one of those lines for a book that can literally change your life. So just there has to be a way. Otherwise, we would not be able to think it. Exactly. It's all possible. You know, like if you, yeah, if, if it's on the screen of your mind, if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. It may take a while. It might take another generation to actually make it happen, but there has to be a way. Otherwise, you would not have thought about it. Exactly. Good. I'm glad to the listener. Thank you so much for participating and putting your questions and comments in the chat box. This is the beauty of this space is that we can be interactive. This is why we do this. Yeah, that's I yeah, love it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Questions are good. So it's true. We have to be able to. So an example of something that um, I had, a, my husband and I were walking, this was probably like four years ago, maybe. And we were walking in Philly and um, just walking around. And I saw this activity. Basically, it was one of those bikes where people are kind of drinking and singing and pedaling up and down the street. And there's like a leader kind of, I don't know if you've seen something like this, if it's just in Philadelphia or if it's in other cities. Have you ever seen anything like this, Brian? Where there's, I don't think there's, so. I might know it if I see like it. It's like a big tandem bike. And there could be a, there could okay. be up to 10, 15 people kind of in a rectangle. Oh, okay. I've seen a few like, of those. Like yeah. they're at a table. We, yep. They, they have those in, yeah, actually like a, in Ann Arbor in Michigan, they do like there's, it's like, um, it's almost like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like people who are tailgating or whatever. It's like a new version of tailgating. Like people who are getting drunk before the football game, riding those things around. Okay. Okay. So there's like a person, a moderator in the middle and they're getting everybody hyped up. And so, Something yeah, like so, that. And I've seen stuff like that in Hollywood and LA. Yeah. 
Okay. So as, as we're walking, I saw that. And for some reason it triggered something. You just made me think of it because seeing it in the screen of your mind. And I was just like, there has to be some kind of an activity or something that I can create within my world where it can kind of get people as happy as they are in this state where it's just kind of free and people are just laughing and having fun. And it took about a day <laughs> for the idea to download. And it's still been a process because I have, I've been kind of reworking it and actually did it, but I'm only saying it because when you get that inspiration, when you get that awareness, when you see it, and then you put the energy towards it, you, you form it and shape it. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's, you know, sometimes that fear of not having the money that kind of gets in the way. And I always tell people that, you know, there has to be a way you could manifest it, you know, create something of value or some opportunity that could bring it into your life. One of my coaches always says everybody on the planet has the same amount of money, which can seem like a crazy thing to think about. But if you think about money as being an idea of just being of value and creating some economic value for somebody else, you know, we all have the potential within us to be just like Jeff Bezos. You know, it might take a while to do enough garage selling to, you know, grow like Amazon or whatever, but you know, it's, we all have that potential to be of value to other people and be of service and eventually scale that to bring in more resources if, you know, to manifest whatever we desire. But we have to have the right attitude and that, you know, that perspective first and not think that, you know, it's all doom and gloom and we'll never have enough. Mm -hmm. That scarcity thinking can kind of just, you know, scarcity can beget scarcity or abundance can beget abundance, you know, just like being creative or not being creative. You can keep on creating and creating, or you can, you know, or go the other direction. And just like you said, it's denying in this world, I believe that everybody is a creative being. This is why we have these conversations. It's if you're in sales, you're using, you know, people say, I'm not creative. Well, you're just like we mentioned, you're listening, you're observing, you're using your words. There's so much problem solving. There's all this stuff going on, which is creative. So if you want to keep yourself in this idea of lack and disbelief, then that's what you're going to feel and that's what's going to be. So whether that be with the money aspect and, you know, the actual being and doing, it's just, it's all tied together. Yeah. We become what we think about as a phrase that we have to say a lot and remind ourselves that, you know, we keep thinking it, you know, sometimes the word does become flesh literally where, and so we have to think about the words and, and think carefully the right thoughts for the direction we actually want to go in, as opposed to thinking about what we don't want. You can not want something, but if you keep thinking about that thing, even if you don't want it, it's going to come into your life. So we've got to stay focused on what we do want. Yeah. Cause then you're always like, see, this is the way it always is. It's like, well, if you keep thinking about it, then that's what is. Yeah. <laughs> it's that simple, but that difficult sometimes to like change it just to change it. It's that, it's that basic. Nothing is really that complicated. We just make it really complicated. Yeah. And something new can always be created too. Always, always possibilities are endless. So, so that's right. So happy to the people that are here live. We are uh, rounding up to the top of the hour. So I am going to ask the third question, but again, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to put them below. So the third and final question is, why do you think creativity is important? Either we create or we perish, I guess, is the simplest way to put it. But, you know, there's always something that can be created. There's, you know, problems we have in the world. We can create the solutions are waiting to be created for every problem that we have. In fact, you can't have a problem without a solution. And 
it takes it can take creativity to get that we have to create the solution so that's why creativity is, creativity is so important and we actually if we put our mind to it we open our mind to the possibilities there's no problem we can't solve nothing it's true there's nothing that can't be solved i love what you just said and i'm i didn't get to write it all down but we create or we perish the solutions are waiting yeah. to be created we one of my mentors always said we either we're either creating or we're disintegrating yeah. You know, life is either expanding or either moving forward or going backward. Nothing, nothing stays the same. Everything's growing or dying in a way. And part of that growth is creating more. Yeah. Ooh, good. Go, go ahead. Sorry. What was it? I, I forgot what I was going to say. I had a thought and I, I lost it for a second. But I think oh yeah, in nature, like if you think about all the animals and the plants, they're all creating and other animals and, and you know, species are benefiting from that creation. And just we as humans, we get to do it at even even higher level. And sometimes we forget that, you know, we can trees don't stop growing, but sometimes it seems like we stop being our fullest creative expression of ourselves that we could be. Mm. Yes. Expansion all of the time. We're walking through the uh, through a nature preserve today and just again, just admiring the trees. Trees are just amazing to me. Yeah. It's just, and there's a whole language of trees, which I don't know all of this. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but the fact that trees actually communicate with each other, if I'm correct, like through their roots. I would not be surprised. And in other ways. You know, there is some. Go ahead. Yeah, the universe has some kind of infinite intelligence about it that we can't put in the words and. I don't want to go theological on you to wrap it up, but you know, it's like, there's gotta be something that, you know, we can't quite explain, but it's, you know, everything in some ways, especially in nature just works the way it should be. Yes, it does. Because from what I was told, there was, they basically in sharing, is it the carbon dioxide or monoxide? I mean, they obviously give off oxygen, but there's when it, a tree knows apparently, and this blew me away, a tree apparently knows when it's dying and when it's dying, yeah. it's able to share and give off the oxygen to the other trees in order for them to be able to prosper. Wow. So it's here. We think, Oh, it's just a tree. It's just a, it's just a bird. It's just a, you know, all of this kind of stuff, but there's such intelligence and there's life. There's life in that. And there's communication. Yep. Meanwhile, we as humans, I like to take this back. Um, to, um, Jim Rohn, the original mentor of Tony Robbins, one expression I remember him saying in one of his videos that I watched is that you can move. You're not a tree. So if you don't like your current circumstance, we do have the ability to choose that no, nothing else in nature has the same ability to do. So it's really one of our greatest powers. It and it's just a matter of whether or not we choose to use that power. And we can choose to do something different to be, do, and have a different life. We can walk anywhere. and Yeah. We have the power, everybody. That's right. We do. So, Brian, how can people connect with you? There's my website. It's thelucrativeartist.com. All is one word, www.thelucrativeartist.com. And I have a, a page on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter and anyone's welcome to contact me or my email address is brian at the lucrative anyone's welcome to get in touch yeah 
Yeah, so feel free, Brian, if you want to put it in the chat box right now, at least one of them where people can see. Um, but I want to read what uh, the Empress uh, Royale is putting here, which I love. Thank you so much. While like giving back charity, if you know you're dying, but do it while you're living. Yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly. Do this while we're leaving, yeah. while, we're, while we're living. We don't have to wait until the end. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's enjoy life, enjoy your life, live your life and don't do it alone. Do it with others, give to others, share with others. That's what and the more we're living the best life we actually want to live and the more we're earning, we can actually help and give to others even more. Yes. I think actually that's something that's a really big thing also for artists too, is to, to raise that yeah. thinking is the more that we're living our best life, the more we're charging what we deserve to be to charge, the more all of this, the more we do that, the more we can be of service to others. Exactly. And I don't know anybody who really makes better art on an empty stomach. You know, I don't know. And I like, and the, the people who defend the starving artist mindset, how many of them are actually being the successful artists that we really want to emulate anyway. So, you know, err on the side of making sure your cup is full and take care of yourself and do what you really want to do. Cause then you can afford to be the fullest expression of yourself. Right. right. And we don't need to be grossly rich, but you know, we, it's okay to earn enough to, you know, live comfortably and be the fullest expression you're meant to be at least. Exactly. So before we say our goodbyes, is there anything else? There were some good final words of wisdom there, but is there anything else you feel like you want to share? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think I've said everything like I could think of saying, <laughs> but, but yeah, that same thing, just, you know, don't be afraid to you know, earn more or err on the side of bringing in more, the more, good, the more we have, the more good we can do in the world and make the world a better place. One of the coaches that I worked under Kendall Summerhawk that did the certification with, um, she always made, makes a point of women. She advocates for women entrepreneurs and saying the more money women earn, the better the world can be. And I like to say the same thing about artists, the more the artists earn, the more of a creative world we can have, the more problems we can solve, the better of a world we can create when we're all financially empowered together. Yes. Amen to all of that. Brian, thank you so much for hanging out with us with us this hour. Thank you for having me. It's such a fun yeah, time. I really appreciate you and all your insights. Everybody check Brian out and everybody joining us live and catching the replay. We so appreciate you. We know you, we, you could be spending your hour in any way and we so appreciate that you are spending it here. This space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. I believe we've always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever, more than ever. Yes. We need to lift each other up and create connection and have these conversations so we can just really be part of a community. So on that note, please like, follow, share all that good stuff so more people can see it and hear it and um, lift them up. So thank you again. and. Wherever you are in the world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and we'll be talking again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Offer people and ladies and gentlemen, connect with Fallon because, um, yeah, you will be inspired. So thank you for taking the time to hang out and chat, Fallon. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody, thank you so much for being here. Those joining us live, those catching the replay, 
it's all about inspiration, connecting and sharing stories. I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever. So mm -hmm. please like, follow, share, all of that good stuff. So we can just lift each other up and um, feel the goodness that comes from it. So wherever you are listening in the world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, and a good evening, and we'll chat again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, coffee books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't, we are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link and you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it, see what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story, because we all have one.